Hang up and welcome to the Temple of Blair. This is a conversation with Denmark's Thrash Titans Artillery's lead guitarist Michael Stutzer. Artillery have a new album coming up entitled X or 10 for those with a Latin sensibility. Uh, and it kicks ass. It's going to be released on Metal Blade Records on May the 7th. At time of speaking, I believe there's only one video that's out, which is available on the YouTubes and the Facebooks and things like that. Uh, but as I said, the album's coming out on May the 7th and it'll be a second video coming out. We, we talk about all this stuff in the conversation. But luckily for me, Artillery also had one album with Roadrunner Records in 1989 entitled By Inheritance. So I get a sneak, a sneak a couple of Roadrunner questions in there as I'm one to do. Anyway, let's jump into it. Thanks very much, Michael, for your time. Get Artillery's X. Get your pre-orders in, boys and girls. One, two, fuck shit up. Hello. Hi, Michael. How are you? Hi. I'm fine. How are you? Yeah, I'm surviving. Thanks. <laughs> so how you been, man? How's this press cycle been? Because it's been, it's obviously not quite orthodox this time around, right? <laughs> No, with that Corona shit going on, that's been really tough to play play music. You know, especially for a band like Artillery, who love to play live. You know, we ha- haven't played that almost played eighty to hundred shows a year. You know, it's been so damn shit. But the Danish government has allowed now to play on on my on my on May. So the sixteenth of May and the seventh of May, we are going to play for the first time in almost a year in Denmark. So that's Fuck. cool. Yeah, dusting off the, the cobwebs and whatnot. Yeah, <laughs> crazy man. It's um, we're sl- we're slowly getting there. We we in the UK, we've been told that the date is going to be the twenty first of June. That's when everything is going to go back to normal, apparently. So we've got okay. I've got my bloodstock you um, bloodstock open air tickets, and I'm oh. clinging on to them, hoping that it's still going to go ahead in August. But yeah. um, anything yeah. could go wrong. Uh, you know, that's the festival I really want to play on, the Bloodstock Festival. We never played there. We played in so many other places, but the Bloodstock Festival, we never succeeded there. So I hope I heard so many good things about it. So I hope we can play there someday. Yeah, man, you'd be completely on brand for that as well. Like European sensibilities with Thrash and, you know, many other... Well, we'll go on to it in terms of the, the new album and things like yeah. that. But yeah, that's surprising. Me. It's kind of like a mini whacking. I That's how I describe it anyway. But uh, yeah, was- cool. We'll see what happens. I mean, I hope it's. I mean, also, I'm as a side gig. I'm a live sound engineer, so I'm like, come on, let's get fucking going because I want to get back to work. So, yeah, I understand that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so let's talk about the the new album. So, um, the thing that struck me about it was there's a number of like eclectic styles. Like it's like a really focused album in the you have a lot of different things going on, but it doesn't feel like you're going off on one. Like just mm-hmm. by way of, by, by way of example, like there's some great like harmonic minor stuff in Silver Cross. There's some prog stuff floating around towards the latter part of the album. So I'm really curious as to what you've been listening to the last couple of years, which sort of brought that up to the surface. <laughs> yeah, but the, the funny thing is, you know, I have uh, 5,000 CDs. I have 2,000 vinyls. And uh, I'm still buying new new records, you know, all this time. And uh, I have just found one new band to see we're going to go this way or this way. It's always come from the heart, you know. And um, 
And there will be a song about how should I make that song, or how should I make that song. And the new guitar player, Crane, has also made some good songs on this album. So it's always been a good cooperation, you know, and it's, it's never that we sit down and say, oh, we want to have a song like that or like that. The only song we, we did on, on, you know, to try to be totally different is The Ghost of Me because it's a, a ballet song. But I yeah. think it's very important to have so many songs aggressive. And you have a song like that because it breaks the way so people can get, you know, the breathe again and 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 starting to go on and get the more fast song again, you know. So so that's the combination, the variation. I, I really love that. And as you said, some prog stuff and things go on. That's really cool. Yeah, I mean I'm glad that you can hear that. Yeah, man, it's it's not only not only does it pace the album, but it also paces the live set when that when it comes around to that, because you're just gonna have more stuff to pick from, which I, I find yeah, yeah. A, a variety is always a good fucking thing. Mm. Um, it's really difficult. Every time you do a new album, you have to check some songs out, you know. And uh, and we try always to have, you know, two old or three new songs every time we play. And uh, it's getting more and more difficult <laughs> to make some, uh, to take the songs, you know, because some songs we have to play because uh, people will be really disappointed if you don't play, for example, Comaniac or Terror Squad, for example. So some songs we uh, we almost... Uh, had to play, you know. So it's difficult to get new albums out and have new songs every time, or else we had to play three hours, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Maiden had that issue, didn't they? They had so many albums that they decided to dedicate certain tours to like certain areas because it was the only way they were going to yeah. play some of those songs again, which I guess could be an option. But... Yeah, maybe. Maybe. And next, next year we have 40 years, uh, you know, celebration of the band start. So uh, maybe we can find out something special there. We have yeah, to see. <laughs> yeah, there's another aspect of this album which is consistent with all the albums since um, was it 2009, the Reformation? Yeah, yeah. It, it feels like it's been mixed for a live set. It feels like that's what I don't know if that was the vision to try and make it sound like a live gig, but it certainly feels that way. I, in in my mind's eye, when I'm listening to it, I can see the main stage at Wacken with the smoke machines and it being too windy. Ooh. It could be Michael's like soaring vocals as well, because he's got the range of like a big sort of power metal -y kind of aesthetic. And it really just paints a picture for me. It was the, the intention to walk in and go, we need to make this sound live. We're not going to do this pro tool shit. Or was it, or have you been harnessing the technology and just trying to produce the songs in, in a more, complete way i think uh, many things uh, we always try to do we always try to keep the, the dynamic in the songs you know and uh, that's why we when we go to the studio we have the song almost finished we always have them totally 100 finished you know because when we are in the studio we have the ability to to try some some things uh, to to see how that works you know and try to get it very in, 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 you know, like impulsive sometimes, especially for them in, in, in the singing and in, in, in the guitar solo, for example. We, we really love to not have it all planned, you know, but say same dynamics on the day and from the heart, you know. And that's that's uh, what I can hope you can hear when you say it's like a, it's played almost live acted. And, and, and I think that's important today because so many got protos and work so hard with them all the time. So sometimes the dynamic is disappearing, you know. And uh, we try to go the, the other way. And uh, the producers are used on this album since 2009. It's so damn good, you know. And he really really good to get us, you know, like very dynamic and very in the mood, you know, and, and play with the heart. And that's really important, I think. 
I think it's one important, but the thing the thing about metalheads is we can sniff inauthenticity. Mm. We can smell it from a mile away. So yeah. when people harness the technology and they, I mean, I haven't really got anything against Pro Tools and, and that kind of way of producing an album because if it, if it squeezes the budget and it gets the job done quickly, great. Mm. But we can tell if it's been copy and pasted, right? Yeah. But right. one thing I was going to ask about the, um, back to kind of like the writing cycle, one thing that I've been asking quite a lot of, bands that have been around for a while is how do you take to writing in isolation now i don't know how the time scale sort of added up for um for this this record because it it seems like a lot of it might have been written to the early parts of last year but a lot of the bands tend to struggle writing and collaborating online whereas some of the younger bands are like oh yeah i just i have a, a bank of 100 wrists which i then just ferry around on say like facebook messenger or something like that is that mm -hmm. your writing style is that how you collaborate or are you, do you need to be in in the room with the lads yeah. I, I always for me when i wrote song i always start seeing you know at home and making some reasons and saying, oh this 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 sounds good i'll try this and and then uh, and if it succeed next day i can remember i think okay it, it will work <laughs> and then i go down to the rehearsal room and then very often I do it with the, the drummer, Joshua, and then and try stuff, stuff out with drums and guitars only and see how the, the, does that works. And then we put it up as a, as a chosen song. So we, we, work, we also play in, in the rehearsal room still, you know, we, uh, we still love to be in the rehearsal room and play, sing and, and check things up, you know, and stuff like that. And also what you said about the, the Pro Tools, if you take Pro Tools uh, and use it, some uh, you know uh, help, not as a uh, the final you know if you know what I mean. If you use it as a help, like a, a distortion pedal, for, for example, then process can be good. But if you only use it to uh, copy things and and play one thing here and take that and, and you know like this, it can be very sterile, sterile, you know. Yeah. And 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 and, and, and that's m many drummers you can hear it's it's not working. You know it sounds so. So so cold and stable as a, it's, I think Josh is a very good drummer and and he plays uh, the song maybe three or four times and and then 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 it works you know. I tell you, we tend to have quite fun and creative intros to the album. Whose idea was the Devil Symphony with the, with the the weird sort of bar setting? And the I don't know what instrument was being played, but when I first heard it, I was like, "Have I got the right? Have I got the right promo here? What's going on?" <laughs> and then it kicks in. Yeah, yeah, I played that you know like a, a Indian in instrument there just for fun, you know. And then that's that's kind of way to to celebrate the band Helsinki's way of the Oriental mood, you know. And it was it was just fun, and and we kept it, you know, because it had this good. The way when the, when the when the when the song starts beginning, it has the big contrast, you know, like a all of that. And I think that was a that's a good idea and a fun idea. So I'm glad you noticed that. <laughs> it's all about it's again. It's about that pacing. It's about that focus, and that's what I really like about. It. It's like I think it, it it's all about consistency of the last few albums with you guys as well. It is it manages to play outside play outside the genre of thrash without making mm. it sound like you're going too far out of your comfort zone. And I think that's an interesting retention method because mm. no fans ever going to come out and say, this doesn't sound like artillery. 
yeah, that's that's true, and that's really what we're working hard on. And it makes me really proud when people say, "I can hear it's artillery," you know, and that's that's really cool. And uh, that's that's the way we want to have it, you know, because we don't only want to make fast songs. We don't only want to make uh, mid-tempo songs. We don't only want to make ballet songs. You know, we want to have that kind of a variation in it, also because it's always good to to have any other things to play and and learn to play other things, you know. But never lose your roots. I still think if you have, as you said, we have the artillery roots in it, and that's very important. So then you can do something to to vary it, your your the kind of music. And now it's our tenth album. You know, don't want to like uh, want You think about ACDs, for example. Mm-hmm. If they make ten albums exactly the same, and we don't want to be there. You know, we want to have some changes, but of course, stay stay cool to our roots. Yeah, and speaking of roots, yeah. I'm gonna say, I want to cast us back thirty four years, maybe is it uh, to to my inheritance? Um, so I've been working on a project about the history of Rodan Records, and I've been going around asking uh, ex bands and personnel oh, yeah. from the company. So you were you were with Neat Records prior to Roadrunner. Yes, and that's that's, it, that's very interesting because Neat and Roadrunner are kind of like joined at the hip in the early 80s. And then they yeah. kind of drift apart a little bit as Neat becomes a little bit more, I don't want to say fragmented, but it's a, it becomes a different beast between the new wave of British heavy metal years mm. and beyond. But I'm, I'm curious as to how the transition from Neat to Roadrunner came about. Was it just the, the deal with Neat was finished and, and Case Vessels was there to pick you guys up? What was the transition like? No, it's uh, it was you know like uh, Need Records had made we had made a three album deal Need Records, and uh, when we recorded uh, Tarot Squad, Need got in some trouble because of, I think it was some of their Venom albums it really did show what they had expected. So there was a kind of uh, losing a lot of money, and um, right. when we came with the the master tape for for Tarot Squad, we we already had finished you know in the mid nineteen eighty six. And uh, that was going to go a year before they released it. And they also released it with a, a sketch of the cover, you know. It was not the, the original cover intention. It was just a sketch from a, our guitar player to make an idea for a cover. And Nick used it uh, without saying it and take some of the, of the of the colors away. <laughs> so that was really strange, you know. And uh, and we was was very... Very, very sad about that because many people told us that we had made a really good album in Tarot's Code, and but they couldn't buy it mm. because uh, they had heard some of the songs already because a year and uh, for a year ago, you know, and uh, and when it suddenly came out in 1987, uh, also the the marketing in, in it was very very slow at that point. It was very good at the first album, Fear of Tomorrow. So I guess it was because of losing a lot of money, they couldn't, you know, keep it up to, to hands. And then uh, Artillery disbanded for for some months because we were so, you know, so disappointed about all, all the, that's kind of going, you know, you have made an album and all people say you made a good album, but we can get it. It was really, really tough, you know. And, and then we got a call from a, a guy in, uh, in Denmark who was talking with the uh, the, the Russian government to make an extension of banks, you know, from Denmark to Russia and, and the other way around. And we decided to, to, to do some shows over there. Mm-hmm. And uh, when we did that, uh, we just got a call from a, a new uh, agency in Denmark who said, uh, 
can you make two songs, uh, two demo songs when you come home from, from, uh, from Russia? Because we have a, a big label called Roadrunner. And in fact, it was Road Racer uh, in the United States department who was very interested in, in doing something with artillery. And uh, on the way, we, we wrote, uh, you know, Komeniak in the in the train in Russia. And uh, don't believe the element in that and made a, a demo recording of that after we got home. And the Roadrunner got that tape and said, uh, we want to sign you. <laughs> Can we when can you go to the studio? And then we say, we still have contract if it's real, but we need, but they sorted it out some kind of way. And um, and we ended up uh, in, in Rosa and the guy, Monte Connor, who was there, that the guy from, from the, the American department, he was very, very cool and very interested in artillery. He came to visit us and, and all kind of that stuff and said, we have to, to make that album. And and at, at that time, Metallica had a, um, you know, learners to know because they rehearsed in our rehearsal room when they did the the Radio Lightning and Master Pockets albums mm-hmm. because uh, Merciful Fate and us had rehearsal room together and they was on they were on tour so Metallica bought their way and it was just two meters from the street silence, you know. And then we, we knew Metallica at that point and get up to the studio and say, show them recording stuff and stuff like that and learn from Rasmussen to... Uh, and he said he wants to do an album with us there. So uh, that's how it all came up with the band Harrison's. I was, I was going to ask how the link with Fleming came about, but obviously it's, it's you were practically neighbours <laughs> for a time. <laughs> how did the the cover for By Inheritance come out? Because it's an interesting, like an, an evolutionary sort of image mm. with the guy in front of the mirror. Is the idea behind it, each iteration of that person inherits something from the last or...? Yeah, the missing link, you know, how it all started, I meant the, the volume and, 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 you know, our inheritance stuff coming on, you know. It's, it's like that. And if you, you notice on the cover today, you can see one of the guys have a mask on. So maybe we knew already at that time Corona was what happened. <laughs> <laughs> it was a guy called Ken Matthew who, who did the cover. It's, yeah. a, it's a very, it's a good cover, I think. I like yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, it's, 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 I think um, sometimes Roadrunner like to they like to railroad their way into picking what the covers are, but uh, no matter how it came about this time, it seems to fit quite well. Um, what was your relationship with the label like throughout? You said Monty came over to hear some of the tracks. Did he have yeah. any? Did he have any comments on the production or give you any guidance? Yeah, in fact, the first production we, we made on the Van Helsen's album had a lot lot more guitars on it. And um, Roadrunner really wanted to have more drums on it, you know, like a little bit more polite, you know. Uh, so, so we was not not totally satisfied at that time with the, with the production because we wanted a little bit more guitar on. But okay, we also guitar players, so that's maybe why. But uh, I, I think we still have some 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 versions of that. That's, I think it sounds really cool because it's a bit little bit more heavier than than the ordinary album, you know. And maybe sometime we can get that out again. I don't know why. Roadrunner didn't release that album again. It's, and I heard rumors that they are sold it to Warner Brothers. And that's really cool. Well, that's strange because the Warner Brothers don't want to um, put it out. So when people write to me to get it, we only have some Chinese uh, uh, versions, you know, we can, we can get, get them. So that's that's, that's very strange. Yeah, so the Roadrunner did get bought out by Warner Music Group, but... 
want to have a warehouse full of this kind of stuff. Yeah. All the masters and all that stuff just sort of sit in a cellar somewhere, but they don't seem to, from what I can gather from speaking to, you know, ex Roder and Bands, <clears throat> sorry, Warner don't necessarily go proactively and pick out things for re release. It's usually the bands that have to write a letter to the particular publishing company to say, can I buy the rights back? Can I get the masters? And it's yeah. usually quite a drawn out process. But, um, yeah. And, and the funny thing was, I, I, you know, we put it, uh, the album up on a, on a, on Spotify and, and stuff like that. And they, they wrote a very angry letter and said, you have to put it off immediately. And, and I said, why, why, why must people hear it? So put it out yourself. Why? And they never, never answered again. How so that, that's really, really strange, you know, because I'm sure they could sell uh, some copies of that because many people, Missing that album, never get it. So that, that's strange. The market these days, especially, and you'll know all about this with the upcoming cycle for, for X, is, is everyone loves the good vinyl and they love a good packaged vinyl with like, say, a t-shirt, a colored vinyl, that's this, that, and the other. And people love a good reissue. Yeah, of course. So money I, I do. I, I love it myself, you know. So, so when I hear a bang, you know, I hadn't could get the, the CDs on in, in bang in time. I got a, got the chance to get it now. I would love to have it, you know. So I don't. I can, cannot see why. Mm. But yeah, it's an uphill one for um, one for Brian Slagle, I think, to uh, to administrate. Yeah, man, boss. yeah. I asked Andreas from 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 Missileblade, and he said, "Warner Bros." Oh, I don't want to wait for them. <laughs> but I think this is, this is difficult. I know they would have done it if, if they could, you know. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Maybe one day, maybe one day. One by, on by inheritance on the thanks section, uh, Metal Mike from Ardshock gets a, a special mention. Do you recall why that is? Did he give you a good review or something like that? Is Was that... No, I remember we, we met him on a on our first uh, visit to Holland in 1985. He was very keen, and I think he he was one of the reasons we played at the at the Dynamo Festival at that, at that time. So that's why he was on it, and he he was also the first guy who ever gave the first artillery demo in 1982, December 1982, the first review ever. <laughs> so that's why he was on on the list. <laughs> and uh, I I just. Uh, got an interview uh, doing with Artshock and I said hello to him and, and entry to the guy and they both said hello immediately so that was really cool yeah he's a very cool guy as Mel Mike he's can't, you can't get anything past him I'd be having a conversation with him like this and he just I'd, I'd mention something and he'd just get up walk away and come back with like a t-shirt from like that year or that <laughs> tour or something he just got like yeah. a vault of things okay so he's last... a true middlehead from, from the early days yeah, man. Yeah, he's, he's a in, in industry. I guess he'd be referred to as a real motherfucker. Very yeah. real. <laughs> That's a good word. <laughs> um, so, how did Artillery's relationship with Roadrunner end? I, th I think it, it ended because uh, at, at that point, after we did the, the, the album, and got very good reviews and. And all people say now you're going to be big and you know you can tour all stuff. We got offers to play with the Exodus and stuff like that. But at that point, the three of us really wanted to play a lot live shows, and two of the guys didn't really want to play. You know, so it was really tough. 
to, to, because if you don't support an album, the label gonna gonna lose the interest for you, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, that was really tough, and that was the decision why I I left the band because I wanted to play, and uh, and uh, Morten tried to keep it going for a while, but it was it was difficult, you know. And then we got the break, and uh, and went made made the album in two thousand, the back album. Uh, as a project now at Bain, and we never really played again, you know. And that's why we decided to, to go on with new members in 2007, because as I see now, I see we plays around 80 to 100 shows a year. So that should we have been doing there at that point. I think that would be the big state step for the band at that time. But this is, we couldn't do it because not everybody wanted to do it. It is what it is. I mean, it seemed that, especially at the time, Roadrunner was a good fit just because of the kind of stuff they were putting out at the time. The kind of guy Monty is, the kind of company they were, it was like they knew what to do with that kind of sound. So it was a shame that you didn't get to sort of progress that relationship further. Yeah. Not a lot you can do about it if your members don't want to go on tour a lot. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's... That's that's sad, you know. And but I'm still very good friends with Monte Connor, and he he just put uh, some hours and laid some up and and wrote very you know very great words about them, you know. So he still believes in the band, <laughs> even if he's, even if he's not on on the road on road race anymore. Yeah, essential reading for any metalhead is Monte Connor's Facebook feed. Every yeah. week he puts up something. That's true. Some interesting trivia about album covers. Yeah, that's true. Again, it's, it's it is a shame about what happened back then, but uh, because My Inheritance is still a very much a revered album, and um, it, it certainly it certainly meant a lot to a lot of people, and we'd like to see it one day, but hopefully we'll 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 see what happens. But in the meantime, we've got a new fucking album out with with which has been produced immaculately to modern standards um everyone's happy with it and it sounds fucking good and as i say it's a very focused jaunt through your musical stylings of the last two years coming out what 7th of may yeah and on the same day we're gonna have our second video out there it's called in your mind so that's going to be a video on the the same day you know so that's looking forward to that and one of my wishes you know from um from been playing music and come out to play more is go, going to play the Bloodstock Festival sometime. That will be really unique. I heard so much great about that. We never succeeded to get there. We played so many places, but never there. So that's, that's one of my biggest goals and hopes. That's one for Vicky Hungerford, if she's listening. She's the, um, yeah. the main booking agent for Bloodstock. So I'll, I'll make sure I tag her in this as we go. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, thanks very much, Mark. Yeah. Nice speaking to you. See, that's where. <laughs> Take care, man, and hopefully see you there on Bloodstock yeah. someday. See you at Bloodstock, definitely. All the best, man. Yeah. Take care, man. Peace out. Bye.